Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live, and tonight we are joined by directors and writers Jameson Locasio and Adam Ambrosio. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you both doing tonight? Great. Very excited to be joining you. Yes, thanks for having us. I'm excited for you guys to be here. The movie, guys, is called How Dark They Pray. It is available now on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, It's a must-watch. We're going to break it down tonight. So let's just go ahead and get right into this. And let's start with Jameson. Now, How Dark They Pray, for people just hearing about this, is an anthology film made up of four short uh, stories, sorry. In making an anthology film, uh, you need to find a way to sort of bring it all together in the form of an epilogue, prologue, to sort of, you know, sort of neatly tie it off. When uh, you guys came up with some very interesting uh, prologues and epilogues for this film, how did that thought process come to life? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. So basically, we were seeing some anthologies and the, the p- pandemic had happened and our, our last horror film, No Fear, had done quite well. So we were sort of looking at some other stories that we could tell. Um, we're big fans of Lovecraft and we were sort of trying to put together a number of different things. Adam sort of came to the table with the Blood Beach concept and uh, the war story was a concept he had from years ago. So then I kind of came to the table with the other two. Um, and that's really how it happened. We started gelling them and then making them one cohesive uh, uh, story, basically, you know, sort of with similar themes, we could say. Absolutely. Now, Adam, uh, you both directed, you both wrote, each one directed their own shorts and so on. We'll get to that in a little bit. But how did the writing process go? Was it both of you involved in writing each story or did one have a particular story and the other person had another story? Um, yeah, for, for about three of them, we predominantly wrote together. Nellie, the last one you see, was, um, was a very dear to Jameson. And so it was really, you know, it was his baby. And, you know, I, I, I felt uh, we're just, you know, maybe just a little, you know, little things that I could say here and there. But predominantly Nellie was, you know, with Jameson's. And I didn't want to touch it because he was so enthused by it. And, you know, I was like, you know, what? don't fix what's not broken. It, you know, and, and that's what we wanted to do. Um, but two of them, uh, Harrowing and... Um, Blood Beach, we wrote uh, a while ago, mm-hmm. and uh, originally they were going to be for a full feature, and uh, you know we wanted to do that, you know, as part of our catalog down the line. But then we, as Jameson said, we got into anthologies, and we kind of rewrote uh, Harrowing and uh, Blood Beach to something a little bit more condensed, like and, a, sh- yeah, a short story. Yeah, and uh, we, we we started with that, and then um, what is it? The intro. And uh, Encounter Nightly was probably the most recent ones. Those were the ones that we kind of said, okay, how could we, you know, uh, write those in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were right, the most exactly. newest ones. Now, Jameson, just like I was telling you uh, before we got started with this stream, uh, Harrowing, the World War II one, for me, was the most mind-bending short out of all of them. They were all great, but that was the one that really left you questioning afterwards uh like i said it takes place during world war ii first off what was the inspiration for that story 
Yeah, well, what's great about that one is it, it, it's nice when this happens, but really that was Adam's idea. Um, and it was, you know, we had been designing it for a number of years trying to make that work. And I think really just once we had Blood Beach, he came to the table and talked about, oh, what if we do it in World War II, that concept. Um, and then it started to transform into, wow, this could really be a great thing. Um, we can think about it in a, you know, some sort of type of carpenter way, but also try to find our own spin on it. And then he brought in the concept of the Nazi and everything else. And it just seemed, it seemed like an excellent place mm -hmm. to discuss kind of everything that we wanted to put into a movie. It is a little controversial. It's, it's a little, um, it's, 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 uh, challenging, yeah. you know, and that's, I thought that was so great. And I just wanted to do that justice as a director off of his idea. I don't know if you want to also. No, yeah. And I think the Jameson was also working on, on another project, um, at the time, um, Normandy. Yeah. Right? And I think, and that was about World War II. And, and I think we were kind of in that headset. I think yeah. James was watching a lot of World War II. Uh, he was recommending some movies to me as well. So I think subconsciously it kind of came into that with, you know, other elements. And so we, yeah, it was just, uh, it was like, a, what if, like, you know, if, if everything, in in beliefs religion or whatever is true and that you believe you you know you know harm and all that stuff doesn't that include for everything and how would that look to something that you know i i, I would say as americans we you know we support our uh or you know our soldiers and they pay the ultimate price and war and, is it, it just messes everybody up and i mean we don't want to give away any spoilers, but Adam, I'm going to ask you this question. When it came to the story Harrowing, I left with my own interpretation of what was actually going on. And I'm sure a lot of viewers are going to walk away with their interpretation of what was actually happening in that scenario. Is that Was that your intention when you were writing this story? Leave it up to the viewers to come up with their own interpretation? I, I, I think so. I think just like... Um... If you believe in your convictions and, and, and you, you have your beliefs, um, you know, you, you have to leave it up to what the individual believes. And I think that's the important message, message of it is how, what you what do you take away from it? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of dark elements and I think inner searching that people could find through it because it, it, it involves the human condition. And that's something I don't think anybody is... We're, we're nowhere capable of understanding yeah. really, you know, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually. So I think it's just, it's just a, a little nod to say, Hey, that, you know, that, that conversation can happen and it should happen. And I think, you know, more people should be having that. And more importantly, we cannot put ourselves in the position of anybody who's faced combat and especially yeah. in world war two. And just the terrible conditions that these men had to go through every day and night. Jameson, um, if I thought if any of these stories would make a great full feature film, if I had to pick one, I would go with Blood Beach. Uh, mm. Do you agree or disagree with that? That's an interesting point. Uh, and, you know, I think we've talked about this a bit. Uh, yeah. you know, just in terms of like, you know, which things lend themselves to, 
I mean, there's so much to mine with Lovecraft. And that was something that Adam also really introduced me to because I was not really a, a horror person until he introduced me, which is our whole crazy story behind No Fear. Um, so Lovecraft is something I went out and read a lot of off of his suggestion. There's a lot to it, but it's also difficult because it so much relies on the imagination. Mm -hmm. So the more that you sort of flesh it out and put it in front of people, you start to sort of lose that magic a little bit. It would be an interesting challenge to try to see if you can make that as a full length and still keep that sense of wonder. Yeah. You know, um, and so that that's yeah, it's an interesting point. And it would also just be a big challenge too. Absolutely. Now, Adam, the first story, like you mentioned, is Encounter Nightly, where you that's the one that you directed. You guys introduce us to the character Trent UFO. Uh you know, he has a show highlighting people's UFO experiences, encounters, but he's not a real believer uh, in, in the whole UFO phenomena. Is Trent UFO meant to conv convey the average YouTuber who's just trying to find anything that will resonate with a crowd? Was that what you were trying to get at with the character of Trent UFO? Yeah, and I think, I think there's a lot of characters like that, but... I and I think the subconsciously it was that, you know, saying, be careful what you wish for, you know, um, I think that was a lesson in that one uh, is just be careful what you wish for, because you get it, you might not like it. And, uh, you know, and it's about the skepticism of, uh, you know, uh, paranormal and UFOs, act, you know, all that activity that, um, you know, people, you know, choose to deny and believe to yeah extent and uh it's just uh it's, it, they were all there to kind of just you know get you thinking about these things again absolutely you know, it's yeah it's like uh you're, you're almost painted as like okay this guy's weird if they you know conspiracy theories here and there and all that stuff so but just you know kind of putting entertainment into it and also uh just both sides of the coins the ones who do believe and the ones who don't and how they you know conflict with each other I think that was pretty much the message with the uh, encounter nightly was just you know there are the skeptics and there are the ones you do believe uh, yeah absolutely now jameson there was a very interesting conversation between the two main characters in in uh encounters nightly where they're sitting at the back of the pickup truck and trent ufo says he sort of hints that he would really love to have a real experience um when you guys were fleshing out this character in that conversation, was he being sincere that he wants to do something that is real and that he can actually believe? Yeah, I, I think I think so. You know what you're what you're trying to aim for in these concepts, and it's something that you would want as a viewer is that there is something, you know tangible about this guy there is something that you could reach out and touch you know he's not just a jerk and he yeah. doesn't just care about his job and he isn't just doing it for the views in some ways he does want to feel like he has some sort of meaning some sort of part of something and he's so beyond the point of maybe even caring anymore that he's just hoping something will bring him back so yeah it's it's sincere you know he he really wants to try to find or at least that's the way that jeff ronan had had played it and that adam had the discussion with was you know, there is, this is the part of him that you could reach out and touch as a character. He does actually care about that. Yeah. Uh, and Pol and uh, Pilatus' character is really, in, in so many ways, even though he's more serious about the job, 
he's also just taking everything so lightly and doesn't yeah. care that much, you know? So in a lot of ways, they're kind of reversing roles. Constantly. Yeah. He's sort of telling Trent, what are you complaining about? We've got an audience, you know, just stop, que right. stop questioning it. Uh, Adam, you know, when, it, when you guys did this anthology film at the end of it, what did you, how did you feel is making an anthology more challenging, less challenging than a full feature film? What were your overall thoughts? Uh, by the end of it, I was expecting for something to happen. <laughs> you know, something bad to happen, like a shoe falling somewhere. Um, because <laughs> the way we scheduled uh, this production was, it looked good on paper. And the only thing is, well, it looks good on paper. Let's see how it goes. And everything went well. The only thing that didn't, you know, that kind of hampered us a little bit was just, you know, a, a rainstorm here and there. Yeah. That was it. Uh, the way we scheduled it was great. We we really took a time to develop everything. Um, we what we did was we shot each one in about a month. So we would shoot Encounter Nightly one month, wait about a couple of weeks, maybe another month, then go out and shoot Harrowing, then the next one, then the next one. And, uh, and we did it that way. We just really, you know, gave ourselves time to really prep and to, you know, pre-produce yeah. and produce everything that we needed to do because we were only uh, a three-person crew, really. Jameson, myself, and uh, yeah. our good friend Nicole Rakowski. Um, it was just us three and the actors who did a great job. So really scheduling it to, to that, you know. Well, yeah. that just goes to show the, you know, everyone, I've heard so many directors talk about prep, and it just goes to show that the time you took for preparation allowed for the shooting to go relatively smoothly. So, great job on that. Now, let's talk about Nelly, Jameson. That's the one that you directed. First off, Nelly is the only one out of the four that is given to us in black and white. Um... Why was it important for Nelly to be in black and white? Or it wasn't important. You guys wanted to show us one in black and white and pick Nelly out of a hat. Yeah, um, no, Nelly was very important to be in black and white um, because, in it, and it goes a little bit even beyond Psycho, which is really ultimately where the concept comes from and it's a spin on those elements. But the entire, the entire you know, approach that we were thinking about with Nelly was, you know, the mentality of these movies in the sixties and, and back, mm -hmm. you know, what happens if you bring a modern mentality into it? It doesn't mean the characters are more equipped or less or less, but the mentality of how we approach things that are scary is so different. I mean, we're so jaded by certain things and, you know, Dole's character is sort of stuck in that time period. Whereas the Janet character is a little bit more modern, mm -hmm. which is actually really the way that, Janet Lee was, I mean, in, in Psycho. So yeah. that was kind of a play on that. So it's just this idea of, you know, can we look at that form still and see the value in it? I think so. And there is something beautiful about the way those movies were shot and the way they were done in some ways so innocently. Um, but then you're taking that further with, with Hitchcock, um, his design and his craft was so ahead of its time yes. that when you put somebody in a modern context, it, it works. Uh, I think still. Um, so it was just that idea of mixing, you know, the past and the present and the characters even feeling that way and, and the shooting feeling that way. And also we looked, we looked and we're trying to, 
you know, bring the vibe of Evil Dead too, yeah. you know, into it as well, which was, can we do something fun that also is crazy, but is respectful of, you know, these different worlds of something that's funny, but also is an homage to Psycho and to Hitchcock. Exactly. And that really takes me to the next question. There are a little, a lot of Easter egg references to past films, current television shows and films throughout Nelly. Um, was that all in in the script or was some of it added? Some of the props added? I'm not going to give away which ones, but some of the props added during shooting. How did that all come about? Yeah, um, well, everything was scripted on that one. You know, we, we definitely are big believers in trying to stick to a script, even though we like to give the actors a looseness. We like to keep that within the confines of a script. And I mean, one of my favorite lines in the movie Adam came up with later, which was about the reference to another story. Yeah. And I, that, it just had me dying laughing. So that was one of the best. And also my my father was involved with Nelly, which is a weird thing that doesn't normally happen. But he said, you know, I think this could be an interesting idea. And I was like, you know, dad, that's the plot to Psycho. <laughs> but there was something about it that was really interesting. And I'm like, wait a second. I think I see what he's saying, but we have that type of shorthand. And I would actually the truth about Nelly is I wasn't sure if it really made sense. And I got to give like, you know, to put it into this. And I got to give a lot of credit to Adam because if Adam didn't like it and find it funny, I mean, I wouldn't have tried to force everyone's hand to put it in. Well, that's the thing about Nelly. I think if those who really get it for what it's supposed to be, it is really enjoyable. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, Adam, I mean, what are your thoughts on how Nelly turned out? Are you happy with it? I'm very happy. And that's why I didn't want to touch it, you know, with like making changes or whatever, because there were, as Jameson said, the inspiration of Evil Dead and Psycho. I mean, those were pretty much the two movies I think he started getting into horror. Yeah. You know, Halloween as well, Carpenter. But, and, and to see that transform over the years, his, you know, love for horror. And then you, uh, you know, you read Nelly. And you see all the inspiration. It's like, all right, this is what inspired him. He commu- uh, you know, cumulatively fell in and made a soup, and then it came out with Nelly. This is what, you know, his admiration of horror movies is, his influence. Yeah. And uh, it wouldn't have been right for me to, to, to put my ingredients into uh, the pot because it's it, it, it tastes good the way it is. Exactly. Don't touch it if it's not broke. Exactly. And we're firm believers in that statement. Yeah, exactly. Now, Jameson, uh, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you this last question. Anthology films leave fans usually debating after they watch it with their friends, family, which one they, which uh, short story they enjoyed the most. Um, Is that something that you want to encourage that people like, hey, I like this one. That's my favorite. That's my second favorite. Uh, is that a debate that you want to have started? Yeah, I think it's natural. It's only natural. You know, it's like having your favorite flavor of ice cream or something. I think the the reason why you do something like this is because you have an appreciation for all the different stories and all the different flavors. You know, like I feel my personal, what the one I feel is really the audience pleaser in a lot of ways is Encounter Nightly. I think it has all the ingredients of something great. And I love that it was his film. And it was found footage, which is something I didn't think I was capable of. And I had to direct it. 
and he has such a love for them. I think that passion comes across. And even though it's his first directing, you know, thing, he, he does a great job with it. So I love Encounter Nightly. So I almost always highlight that as being like, okay, that's 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 an audience pleaser to me. And I, it I is. think it's fun. So yeah, I think people are going to do that. And I think that's healthy. Think and that's you know healthy. about Encounters Nightly that really makes it good is how the UFO element is brought into the horror realm. We're not yeah. going to spoil it and say how, but that was very well done. Uh, now, I want to give you guys credit because beyond writing and directing, um, Jameson, you edited. Adam, you did the score for mm -hmm. the film. So you guys really did wear the majority of all the hats besides the... And Adam, you had a cameo. I thought, but weren't you listed? Yeah. <laughs> you were in one of them. Yeah, we have a little thing in our, you know, other features is that you would either find me sitting at a bar somewhere yeah. or behind the bar somewhere. Totally uh, Stephen King-like. Yeah, he's our Hitchcock. Yeah. Would have been there walking past. Yeah. So, yeah, but we, we did everything, you know, ourselves, just three-man crew. Yeah. I two mean, guys and a, and a woman. I was the cinematographer, and then these guys did everything else. I mean, virtually. If I was holding a camera, Adam was doing the sound with Nicole Rakowski, who did a great job on all great the movies. Job. She great. I mean, she deserves a lot of credit and shout-out to her because she really did these movies in a way that was so fast and you didn't have much time to think. No. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and then Adam comes in with an incredible score every single time. Uh, and he's very Carpenter-like in that way that mm -hmm. he brings something to the table that I know nothing about. And then it's, wow, oh, there's the movie. You you know? So it's so great to have that. You don't find a lot of directors, writers that can also do music as well. So that that's not very yeah. common. You guys yeah. did a brilliant job uh, with the small crew. You put together four great short stories. The movie, guys, is called How Dark They Pray. It is available now on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, when I got the release for it, it had a date of September 15th. Is it being released elsewhere on September 15th besides Amazon? Yeah, it's also going to be on Watch Movies Now, which okay. is a free platform you can watch on YouTube, and it just has ads on it. So if you want to, you know, people can go there and watch it first day. And it's going to be releasing on other platforms very soon uh, via Film Hub. Um, so those will be letting people know on our channel, Film Valor, uh, on YouTube. We'll let people know there. One of the joys of what I do is I love talking to independent filmmakers. Uh, I enjoy talking to the big studio people as well. And then, but just seeing, I don't want to say the word contrast, but the different elements uh, that go into studio, which is, has its own work and so on, and independent filmmaking. I love that I get to speak to such a wide spectrum of people. And hearing your guys' story tonight was truly inspiring. So again, Hats off. You guys did a great job. Our audience, please check out the movie. It's available now on Amazon Prime Video. It's coming out everywhere else soon. It's called How Dark They Play, written, directed by Jameson and Adam. Uh, Adam also edited. I'm sorry, uh, Jameson edited. Adam did the score. These guys wore all the hats. Check it out. Adam, I'll leave the final word up to you. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share before we go? No, thank you guys for having us. It's a pleasure to be here, and we're excited for this movie. Absolutely, you should be. I thank you guys again. I want to thank our audience. 
those who are watching live and those who will tune in later on. On behalf of Jameson, Adam, and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Good night, everybody.